What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Hey, good morning, 11 o'clock. How we doing? We good? Good. All right. Hey, well, I'm excited for uh, what God's doing just today. Want to let you know right now that this message is going to be a little bit of a heavy one, but I know that God is going to speak through it and it's going to be challenging. It's going to be real good for the heart and the soul. And so let's do this. Let's just jump right into it. Let's stand up. Everybody to their feet. We're going to read the word. And as we do every week, when we read the word, we stand to our feet. And before we do that, do me a favor. Let's just welcome everyone watching online this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being online. Sorry you couldn't be in the room, but we love you, and we're excited that you're at least watching. And even now, if you on Facebook, you can go to your phones right now, share this on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, share, share it on YouTube, share wherever you need to share, you know, tag us, whatever you need to do. You never know who's watching. You never know who God will speak through an invite. I'm telling you right now, it's some really, really good stuff, and I'm excited. And so we're going to jump in to 1 Samuel 24 going to continue our series on the life of David and really believing that this story today is going to speak to some of us and what God's doing in our life and what he wants to do. And so go ahead and open your Bibles, 1 Samuel 24, or we got it on the screen as well. And we're going to go ahead and I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to go from there. It says this in verse two, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rock. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand. And you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Verse six, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. Verse seven, so David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also rose and went out the cave and called after him, my Lord, the king. And when he saw When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. And I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Verse 11, see my father See the corner of your robe in my hand for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. And you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word. Just continue what you're doing in this room. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I want to talk to you today. The title of the conversation, the title of the message is David Forgives. And I want to talk to you about the topic and the concept of forgiveness. So it's going to be heavy because let's be honest, a lot of us, we don't like to forgive 
and we don't want to forgive. Some of us have been working through this idea of forgiveness, but I, I have just learned that in walking with Jesus, I've, I've now just thinking about it this week uh, as I was speaking. Uh, it's been a crazy month for me, but speaking out in Fresno with a, with a, with a discipleship school out there, um, I, I was reminded of myself. I got to share my story. And um, this summer, I've been a follower of Jesus for 18 years. 18 years of going after God, 18 years of saying yes to Jesus, 18 years of just doing whatever he wants me to do. And I have learned that probably the hardest, but the most powerful, one of the most powerful areas I've had to work in and walk through, but I have experienced the most healing in is this area of forgiveness. Here in the story, it thickens. Come on now. We've already talked about how David's life is like a novella. It's like a soap opera and it doesn't get any better than this. So God, I don't know why, but sets it up to where David is hiding in the cave and in the same cave that Saul decides to take a bathroom break. I don't know if you knew what that meant, but that's what relieved men in the Bible. He went to go handle his business, right? He got caught up and he's like, I got to go handle my business. And David and his men are in the same cave. Talk about tea. Let's be real. Sometimes God will put you with the person you don't like in the same aisle at Target just to test what you're going to do. This is even better. This dude is trying to kill David. This dude's trying to take David out. This dude's trying to assassinate his son-in-law. We've talked about this. And David has been hiding in caves. And, and we come to this moment where it's a confrontational moment where David has to decide what he's going to do. Is he going to kill the very man that is trying to kill him? Or is he going to do something different? Is he going to do in the opposite spirit what is trying to come up against him? And we learn that in these moments, we learn the heart of God through, the Dave, through David's heart in the area of forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but if this were me, it's going down. Because when I read the Bible, I grew up in the ghetto. And so I got a little hood in me when I read the Bible. And I don't know about you, but if someone's trying to take out my life or someone's trying to take out my family, we're going to have a problem. Come on, we're going to have a problem. Ain't nobody going to catch me being a little Christian weenie trying to take out my family or take out my life. I know I don't look like I can fight, but I can yell. I can, you know one of those? And I'm fast. Not that fast, but I'm, I'm quick. You just bob and weave and, you know, and I also, I know how to talk and I got friends. I got people. The safest place I feel is when I'm at church on Sundays. You know why? Because if anybody tries to come in and do something dumb, I got some people in here that got my back. I'm just here. I, I, there's some people in here. Let's be honest. They spent some time and, you know, and they've caught a case. And I know they think you, you, you don't even know who they are. You would be shocked. But someone tries to come at me sideways here at church, they going to they handle it. I got numbers on my phone. Like if someone tried to mess with me or my family, I just got to, hey, brother, I know you were saved from this, but I need you to go deep back into that old season of your life. 
and I need you to handle some things, right? I, I got some people in here, like, they, they shank you and speak in tongues at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Like, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't condone violence. That's, uh, I, said, I said that joke first service, and I was like, ooh, should I say a second? That one's recorded, but hey, it's all right. We'll, we'll, just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But no, for real. I, 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 I think because we read this, right? We, we Just stories in the Bible. And, and when we read David's story and, and we think like, ah, oh, that, that's not me or, or that, that couldn't be me. And that's just so far-fetched. And, and it's just, just ridiculous in the way that we read some Bible stories. But put yourself in the scenario for a second. Put yourself in there. Put yourself in that place. Put yourself in that place where the person who is trying to hurt you and harm you and rob you and cheat you and steal from you now is at the tip of your fingertips. And will you do the right thing or will you do the easy thing? I have learned from studying this story that this was the test of David's kingship. David was trusted to be king, not because he was gifted or he was skilled, but because God had all of his heart. Forgiveness is an issue of your heart. It's not an issue of relationships. It's not an issue of just making things feel better. No, forgiveness is an issue of your heart. And why do I say that? I said this at the end of first service, but I feel like I need to say it in the beginning of this one to kind of give a context of what we're going to talk about is that God, sorry, when we don't forgive when we allow unforgiveness, and everybody knows what that is, when we don't let things go, when we don't forgive the people who hurt us, and we don't forgive the people that cheated us, and we don't forgive the people that did what they did wrongly to us, when we don't forgive, it allows someone else to have a piece of our heart instead of God. It's true. And so family, what I want to do in this series and what I believe God is highlighting in, the Dave, in David's life and what, why we're talking about it today is I want God to have all of you and not some of you. My heart is your pastors that when you leave this place, you are more in love with Jesus than when you came into this place. My heart is that you would learn to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in every part of your life, that in your family, in your job, in your vocation, in, 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 in any family situations that you're in, in, in any environment that you're in, that, that you would choose Jesus and that the religious experience of Sunday would go deeper than just a moment of spending time with him, but that God would have have all of you and God can only have all of you if you forgive the people who have hurt you because unforgiveness is the poison that you will have in your soul family I'm telling you right now one of the things that breaks my heart is meeting people who say they're a Christian for 10 years 15 years 20 years and they can't let things go it is toxic it will kill you from the inside out Right? We got people in churches, not this church, hopefully, we're going to pray, but in churches that I have met where they are bitter because the pastor didn't give them their seat like 10 years ago. We got people in churches who are upset with, with hurts and pains and problems that aren't even that big deal, but they've piled up. Some of us, we still mad that that pastor, for example, didn't let us on the worship team and he didn't let you on the worship team, not because he didn't like you, but it's because you weren't good at singing. Come on, let's be real. But yeah, you bitter. Or you weren't allowed to be a leader because you weren't trusted. Because that pastor knew you were talking about him behind his back. 
We, 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 we hold on to these things like that. And those are little petty things, but let's take them even deeper. Injustices and hurts and pains, abuse, things that have been done to you, things that have been lied to you, things that have harmed you physically, spiritually, emotionally. And what happens is when we hold on to them, it keeps, a little piece of our heart remains in that. And we think that it feels comfortable and it's safe. But the problem is, is if God can't have your whole heart, then you will always feel somewhat disconnected from him. And my goal today would be that you would start the process of letting God heal you in the area of forgiveness. That we will no longer allow pettiness to control who we are in our lives. Here at Thrive, we believe that God has called you to be healthy, that God has called you to be functioning out of the capacity that God has called you to as a healed whole person in freedom. And part of that's gonna have to be the area of forgiveness, which means that there's gonna be some things that we have to let go. And so what I wanna do today is just kind of walk you through some thoughts and ideas that have kind of helped me along this path, along walking with Jesus and following Jesus. I wanna talk to you about what forgiveness is not. Because I think oftentimes we know, like everyone in this room knows, okay, I'm a Christian, if you're a Christian, and you know you gotta forgive. Like that's kind of the obvious, right? It would kind of be weird if you're like, I've never heard this in my life. Yes, you have, let's be real. The problem is, is we think we've forgiven, but it doesn't really land the way we think it should because in all actuality, our forgiveness or what we think of forgiveness is misconceived for something else. So I wanna just kind of share with you some things that I have learned and understood what forgiveness is not and that has given me the ability to really trust in God in a deeper way, to walk in things. And we're gonna use David's life in this story as an example. And so number one, which is the first statement, is that forgiveness is not weakness. Some of you in this room you don't even like the topic because you believe that forgiveness is weakness. You believe that if you were to forgive, if you were to say sorry and let go or say, I forgive you and it's not a big deal anymore, you think you're the weak one in the relationship. But can I tell you that in this story, the one who has all the power is not Saul, it's David. Because forgiveness is powerful. And so let me drop a thought on you, which I believe would correlate to make sense of this. Because for some of us, we won't even get into the area of forgiveness because we think, wow, we're just weak and, and, and I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna let go. I'm not gonna, you know, I wanna stay strong. I wanna stay tough. I wanna, I wanna be the strongest in the room. Can I tell you the strongest one in the room, the strongest one in the relationship is the one who forgives and is the first one at the cross. Let me help some marriages in the room real quick. You wanna have a healthy marriage? The first one to the cross wins. All right, it's not the first one that wins because they're right. No, 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 it's the first one to the cross wins. It's not weakness, it's power. And why do I say that? Because how many of you know that God is not weak? Right, God's not weak. Is he? Do you, are you, do you mean it or? Are you, like, don't give me the answer you're supposed to hear. Is God weak? Yeah, of course not. There's other things that we might not believe or understand of God, but the one thing I think everyone, even if you're an agnostic, you would believe that the deity that you worship and believe would be powerful, right? That's just a common logical understanding. Of course, the God that I would worship is an all-powerful, almighty God. Of course, and we love God-powerful messages, don't we? We love it when, when the preacher goes up there and is like, the power of God is going to get you and the power of God is going to hit you. And we need the power of Jesus today. Can I tell you that the power of God looks like forgiveness? Because the one who has forgiven more than anyone in the universe is God. And we would never think that God is weak. 
So how come you would believe the lie that your forgiveness means that you're weak? We would never correlate that idea that God is weak because he forgives. No, no way. God's always strong and powerful. Therefore, and he's the one that forgives the most. So that must mean that when I forgive, I am tapping into a power that is not my own. I, it's not of weakness, but it's of strength because forgiveness comes from the place of strength. It's not weakness. It can't be weakness. David is in this situation with Saul and he had all the power to kill him, but he chose not to because forgiveness is not weakness, which leads me to my second point is that forgiveness is not revenge. A lot of us, we don't want forgiveness. We want revenge. Now, get me, don't get me wrong. There's some things that have happened to you and that person that hurt you or harmed you, especially if it was on a legal manner or an assault manner, probably should be in jail, okay? Probably should go through things that they needed to and that God brings justice. But revenge and justice are two different things. And here's my point, is that what we find in Scripture actually later on, we're not gonna read it today, is that even when Saul does die, the Bible says that David mourned for Saul's death. When you forgive, it means that the person that harmed you, you no longer find joy in their harm. You aren't praying that God would get them. Come on, I know I got some people in here. Let's be real. That and you don't forgive, but you're like, God, I just pray they have a bad day. Jesus, that boss, I pray in the name of Jesus that her tires get slashed. And right now, I just, I just, come on. Come on, you know, I pray that she catches all the traffic. And that's what we do because we want revenge. We want it to feel equal. Listen, family, I don't know why the thing that happened to you happened to you, but I know this. One, that God was there. Two, that God didn't like it. And three, that God's gonna use it for his purpose. I say that over my own life. I don't know why I've gone through the things that I've gone through, but what God doesn't want me to do is to remain bitter at the people that have hurt me and that Jesus would flip the situation, that God would change the narrative and that when I forgive, I am believing that God would bless them. I am believing that God would transform them. I would believe that God would heal them. I'm believing God would set them free because I am no longer bound by the same rules and principles that they used to live by because Jesus has changed something in me. Therefore, it is not my job to win. It's my job to forgive. Married couples, stop trying to win. Fellas, you're wrong. Even when you're right, you're wrong. Why? Because even when the bride is wrong, Jesus lays his life down for the church. Ladies, stop trying to win. <laughs> oh, I knew it was coming. I knew. Woo. Stop trying to win. Stop trying to get revenge. That's so funny. You were waiting for it, Brother Lindsay. You, you said, here we go. Wa-bam. Got it. Love you. Love you guys. And it's real, right? It's real, but, but that's what we do. And, 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 and even in our own relationship, kids, stop trying to win your parents. Stop trying to beat them. You're not going to win. And if you're over 18 and you still live in their house and they pay your insurance, you're not going to win. If you like it, if you don't like that, move out. They'll be more than happy you don't eat their food no more. Trust me. If you're 27 years old, still living at your house and you don't like the rules from your parents, bro, you're 27 years old. Move out. 
Stop trying to win. Forgiveness is not revenge. Forgiveness is not this thing of trying to become equal because that's what revenge is, right? Is I'm trying to balance the scales. Get rid of the scales and let God win the battle for you. Forgiveness means I trust God with the tension of the situation, but I'm gonna forgive because my heart being clean before God is greater than me trying to win the situation and be right. And I'm not saying don't hold down truth. I'm not saying don't speak into things that need to be clear. But oftentimes I have learned this as me as a married couple, as me and my wife, is that I'm at the end of the day, it's not even about trying to show her that I love her. And it's, it's just me about being right. And, and it's, we're never going to get anywhere. But if I forgive and I let it go, and I've already said what I needed to say, that's between her and God. And I've learned that when you do that, when revenge is not the answer, when you're not trying to get back. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I know I'm speaking to someone in the room. You want the bad things to happen to the people that hurt you. And my friends, that is no way to live. Your heart and your mind deserves a better peace than that. Number three is that forgiveness is not humiliation. Forgiveness is not also the ability to humiliate. We have in this story, if there's anyone that had an opportunity to humiliate Saul, it was David. This dude, I'm just going to say what I think was happening, but I don't know. We'll find out in heaven. He was peeing on the rocks. All right. I don't know about you, but that's a perfect moment for humiliation. He's already just humiliating himself. And my thing is like, here he is in the rocks and he doesn't know anybody's there like bro. But yet he doesn't. Is there anyone that could have humiliated David or Saul? It was David. If there was anyone that had a right to humiliate Saul, it was David. Saul humiliated David in front of his family, in front of his friends. But family, forgiveness is not humiliation. When God forgives, he doesn't humiliate us in the process. He doesn't make us feel worse about ourselves. This is, this is what I've learned. And actually, I didn't talk about this first service and now it just clicked. Boom, it made sense. Um, if I want the person I'm forgiving to feel the same way I felt when they hurt me, that's not true forgiveness. So if I want, I want that, right? It's, this, it's a heart thing. It's a desire that I want them to be humiliated. I want them to feel this pain. I want them to be embarrassed. I want God to, to, to ruin their life. And, and, and family, that means you're still holding on. You can pray all you want and you can think you've forgiven them, but you really haven't. They still got a place in your heart that shouldn't belong. Forgiveness is not humiliation. Why? I know this because when God forgives you, he doesn't humiliate you. When God forgives you, the east is from the west. Your sins are no more. Once you were crimson, but now you're white as snow. That Jesus keeps no record of wrong, it says in 1 Corinthians. That love keeps no record. When he forgives us, he doesn't put it on display. He doesn't humiliate us. He forgives us and he washes it away. Family, you got to learn to forgive and cut strings in the same way that God has forgiven you. And if you deep in your heart, there's a, there's a, there's a trigger of, no, but I want them to be humiliated, then it's like, man, then you, I'm just, I'm just letting you know that you still are probably holding on to things you shouldn't. That's all. Number four is forgiveness is not a list. Let's talk about this one. I like this one. So 
I was just talking yesterday. Fall Fest was awesome. I don't know how many were here, but it was amazing. Hundreds of people in the parking lot, kids all over the place. We we're loving on families. It was, it was amazing. I love the dream team. I love our church. I love that we just do things and just love people well. And so I was talking with uh, a couple who's been here for years, love them, Bobby and Debbie Rouch. They're the best. I, know, I don't know if you know Bobby and Debbie. You should know them. They're amazing. And we were talking about how back in the day, uh, Pastor Eric, when he was the lead pastor here, every pastor has like phrases, right? Like they, if you've been in church for a while, they, they say the same thing like again and again and again. They just love to say the same thing. Pastor Eric used to have a phrase and he used to, we were joking about this as we were at the outreach yesterday at Love Our City. He would say this. And if you never heard this and it's the first time you're saying it, maybe you need to hear it right now. He would say that if you have buttons, it's your fault. Anybody remember Pastor Eric saying that? Okay, like four people because nobody even remembers him. That's fine. He was just the dude that was here two weeks ago. That's what I'm talking about, okay? And he would say, if you have buttons, it's your fault. If you have buttons, right? If you have a button, if someone's poking your buttons and someone's right, it's like, man, I just get irritated with them because they push my buttons, bro. That's your fault that you have buttons. You shouldn't have buttons. I remember the first time I heard that. It was 10 years ago. Pastor Eric said that during a family series. Like, ooh, that's good. And he would say that like every two, three months. It's your fault you have buttons, you have your, right? So I think that's a great point. If there's any point that you want to remember from me, it's this point right here. Don't have buttons and don't have lists. You can't say you forgive people and you make lists. Family, I'm telling you right now, some of y'all lists are longer than your target list. Oh yeah, I'm, you know, I, yeah, I forgive them, but I remember every little thing that they've done. I remember one time, this, this is something that me and my wife had to walk through. I remember one time, my wife, everything was cool, everything was fine, we're good, and then out of nowhere, bam, it was like in November time, and next thing you know, she's just, I don't know what happened, it takes something, husbands, any, right? Come on, husbands in the room. It's like one little dumb thing you did triggered the whole atomic bomb. You're like, bro, I didn't think throwing, not throwing out the trash was going to be a big deal. And then you know what happened? And the list comes out. And she's remembered everything you've done wrong since March 12th of 20, 2014, bro. And bam, and bam, and bam, and this, and this. And I, and I was just like, what is happening right now? And you have nothing to say because you did all those things. Family. That's not good. That's not biblical. That's not healthy. Ladies, burn your list. Men, burn your list. Because men, you got them too. Don't be like, oh, it's just the girls. No, you do. You have all these reasons on why you don't trust your father. And that's why you don't trust the man of God in your life. And instead of listening through or hearing or looking through the lens of what God is trying to do, some of us, we look through the lens of our list. And we don't trust nobody and we can't have anybody in our life. Why? Because we have, we say we've forgiven them, but we still got a list. And if your innate nature in your family is to create lists, well, this is how my mom fought and this is how my dad fought and this is how my grandma fought and this is how my grandpa fought and this is how they fought. And I just carry a list of everything that someone did wrong. Family, you are living in bondage. I'm not saying don't confront it. Listen, some of you need to confront it. So that's what we do. We are weak. We are fleshly. We aren't doing what God called us to do. I'm not saying allow people to do whatever they want in your life. No. Grow up. Have a conversation. And say, hey, I, that's not cool 
what you said to me. That's not cool what you texted to me. But you know what we do instead? We create a list because we want ammo and we want to make a case and we think we're lawyers and you're not. And you sever relationships because you didn't address things that you needed to and, and you're carrying unforgiveness. You're just carrying lists. Some of you, marriages in the room right now, this is part of the main reason why your marriage isn't working is because y'all have lists on each other. Family, burn the list. Take the list, put it on the altar, burn it in the fire in the presence of God, and I'm no longer gonna deal with unforgiveness and carry a list. Or if you're like, you know what, I need to address it, address it and then let it go. Because you know what's not healthy? Having a list of continual things that you have problems with. It doesn't work. If there's anyone that had a list, it was David. Right? David had a list against Saul. Absolutely. Saul tried to kill him. Saul took his job. Saul manipulated his wife, which was Saul's daughter. Saul tried to manipulate David's best friend, which was Saul's son named Jonathan. Saul made all the commanders of Israel hate the one who was the hero of Israel. Saul took away David's home. Saul took away David's livelihood. And this is what could have happened in that moment. David could have cut Saul's robe. He could have had it in his hand. He could have went up to Saul and said, Saul, I could have killed you because you did this and you've done this and you've done this. If there's anyone that had bullets, it's David. But instead, David lays the bullets down and says, Saul, I've never meant to harm you. He made it about him. And he's like, I've never meant to harm you and I will never harm you. And it doesn't matter what you've done to me. I've let it go. Family, you can't live with lists. Young people, burn the list now. Burn the list now of your friends that hurt you or people that didn't love you. You just gotta let it go. And again, confront it. If you need to confront it, confront it. Have a conversation. Go to Denny's, duke it out. I don't know what you need to do, but healthy confrontation produces healthy relationships. You know what unforgiveness does? Severs relationships. I'm telling you right now, it's Thanksgiving in about four weeks and your cousin's coming. Your tia's coming. You know who I'm talking about. I don't know, but you do. And you know what's going to happen? The person you don't want to sit next to at Thanksgiving. And you know why? Because you got a list. And you can't love them the way Jesus would love them because you got a list. Imagine if God kept a list the way we keep lists. Imagine. Think of your list against God. I'm just telling you, for me, my list is long. I got like that Santa Claus, all the names list. You know what I'm talking about? I got that. I got notebooks of lists of the things that I have broken God's heart. And you know what? You know what I've learned? God never addresses my list. He might address something I need to work on, but he never does. And bam, you need to do this. And bam, you need to, it would break us. It would break you if God addressed everything wrong with you at one moment. You wouldn't be able to make it. You wouldn't be able to handle it. And it would all be your fault. And you know what he does with your list? He rips it up and he says, you're redeemed. Let's start all over. You can't forgive and still have a list. For some of you, you need to work on that. Which leads me to my last point is that forgiveness is not in our own power. I believe this. I believe, I believe forgiveness is not just a human trait and a conjured up emotion. Some of you are trying to forgive in your own strength and you can't. Why? Because you can't do it in your own strength. 
I really believe this, that you can only forgive because you understand how much you've been forgiven. I want someone to know in the room today that God has cleansed you of your sin, that God has, God has washed you away by the blood of his son, that Jesus died on a cross so that way you could be made blameless, that you would be made whole, that God has washed you of everything you've done wrong, everything that's happened to you, everything that was your fault and everything that wasn't your fault. You have been forgiven by much that the grace and the mercy and the power of God no longer keeps the record of anything you've done and moving forward. If you would allow Jesus into your heart and come into that reality of forgiveness, that he would no longer see anything you've ever done wrong, anything you've ever cheated on, everything you've ever stolen, every person you've ever wronged. And Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus has washed you. Jesus has healed you. Jesus has cleansed you. No longer are you bound in unforgiveness because of your sin and your wrongdoing. That, my friends, is the power and the grace and the beautiful news of the gospel. That once I was lost, but now I am found. Once I was blind, and now I can see. Once I was broken, and God transformed me. And therefore, from that reality, I don't live my life for forgiveness. I live my life from forgiveness. My actions and my attitude are no longer so that way I can be forgiven, but God has already forgiven me in my mess, in my brokenness. The Bible says in the Old Testament, he brought me out of Egypt. He picked me up out of the miry clay. He delivered me out of that pit. And it doesn't matter my bondage because Luke says that cages and prison cells open when the gospel comes into your life. I live from that. You live from that. We as Christians who come into the knowledge of God and say yes to Jesus as Savior live from that reality. Therefore, there is no excuse that we should hold bondage over someone because we've been forgiven by much. We have been forgiven so much. We have been washed. Our debt was huge. Your debt was crazy. My debt was crazy and God wiped the debt away. What makes you think you have the right to hold debt over someone else? David knew how much God's done in his life. He gives all credit to the Lord at the end of this verse. It's not going to be me and you against you, Saul. It's going to be you against God, but I'm out of the equation because you're forgiven. I've let it go. It's going to be God who handles this situation. You need God to forgive. And so some of you, you've got to stop forgiving on your own strength and you need God to forgive. So my last question is who have you not truly forgiven? Because right when I even said the topic of the day, boom, someone came to your mind. You already knew, and you've been wrestling with this. And I just want you to know, my heart as your pastor is that God would want you healed in this place. Family, we gotta let go. Stand your feet with me. do me a favor, turn the lights down. Let's take a moment and reflect on what God just said to us this last 30 minutes. What God's been doing since you walked in the parking lot. 
is getting your heart ready so he can have all of you. And if you're in this room and you would say, you know what, Pastor Chris, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, I struggle with unforgiveness. I struggle with letting go. I struggle with forgiving that person. I struggle with forgiving that thing that happened to me. I, I need to forgive. I need to forgive. I need to forgive. I need to let, it's, 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 you, you've been in bondage for 10, 20, 30, 40 years maybe. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. And I believe that God would begin to give you the power to learn how to let it go in this afternoon. And what's gonna happen, he's gonna give you the grace tomorrow and the next day and then he's gonna walk you through a process of forgiveness if you would let yourself be open to him. But some of us in the room have to make the conscious decision to say, yep, I gotta, I gotta work on this. I hold grudges against my spouse. I hold grudges against my kids. I, I still hold a grudge from the church that I was at years ago. I, I need to learn how to live my life in the area of forgiveness because forgiveness, my friends, is not a moment, it's a lifestyle. And we have to allow ourselves to do that. And so if that's you, again, head bowed, eyes closed, just to focus in. And you would say, you know what? There's someone in mind. I need to forgive them. And I need to walk through the area of forgiveness. Do me a favor. Come up to the front and meet me. And I want to pray with you. Anybody in the room, come meet me in the front right now. Just right up here at this altar. We're going to burn some lists. Come on. Come on. Good. Just meet me up right here. Yeah. Yeah. And you can stand or you can kneel. Come on. Come on. Don't worry about crossing someone through the rows. They'll move out of the way. It's not awkward. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. I felt like we needed to do it like this, this service, because there's some people carrying some stuff. I felt it this morning. And God's like, I don't want you to carry this any longer. Keep coming. Keep coming. There's plenty of room in the middle. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. That all, it's just you and Jesus. Just some surgery. That's all. Just God doing some things in your heart. Keep coming this way. Keep flooding in that way. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. You got to let it go. I feel the heart of God in this room saying, you got to let it go. I don't want you to carry that no more. I don't want you to carry that no more. Oh, there's some other people. Y'all are playing yourselves. Come on. And my thing is, if you don't want to come up here, that's okay. But let's also not pretend that you can't sleep at night because the memories of what you're going through and what you've gone through are keeping you up. Let's not pretend that that person really hurt you and you can't trust no one no more. Let's, let's address it. Let's identify it. Let's confront it. Let's allow God in the midst of it like David did. Keep coming. If you, if you need to come up, there's, there's plenty of room. Come on, everybody up in front, just scoot up a little bit more. Just scoot up a little bit more. Take a step forward because there's some more people coming. Good stuff. Yeah, just, that's it. We're just making space. All right. And if you still need to come up, you can. If you want to do it in your seat, that's fine too. But we call people up to the front because I've just learned I need to respond to when God speaks to me. You know what I'm saying? I need to get out my chair and I need to lock in. But you know what? If you're in your chair, he'll get you if you want, but you got to let him. Some of y'all, you need to forgive yourself. Some of y'all, you need to let this go. You need to move on. You need to stop being in the sinful behavior that you used to be in. Forgive yourself and allow the Lord to call you into that new calling that God has called you into. And so do this. All of us in the room, I'm with you. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and slip up your hands. The tears are flowing because the poison's coming out. Come on. Pastors, help me. Find someone. Directors, interns, just put a shoulder. Not, not, not loud. Soft. Let God do the surgery. You're just the assistant. You're handing him the scalpel. That's all. The grace to let go. I know what they did to you was wrong. 
I know what they did to you was not fair. I know what they did to you hurts. I know what they did to you lied and cheated. I, 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 I know they stole your innocence. I know they caused you pain. And they'll never know how much it hurt. But I'm telling you right now, God sees it. That he would say that no longer would you be bound in that thing. That I would heal your mind and your soul. No worship music, no, no, uh, no lyrics, because just you and God right now. Jesus, release healing. God, I pray for forgiveness for fathers in Jesus' name. I pray for forgiveness for mothers. I pray for forgiveness from hurt and pain and spousal stuff right now. Healing right now. Freedom right now. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want you to say this with me all over the room. I just repeat this after me. I think it's just a prayer then. And let's just see what God does for the next few minutes. Can we just stay engaged? Because some people, God's doing some hard stuff right now. Just repeat this after me. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Help me to forgive. Help me to let go. Because I've been forgiven. Come on, say that over yourself one more time because you need to believe that and you mean it. I have been forgiven. I'm sorry for what I've done, but you have forgiven me. So help me to forgive others. And right now, just don't pray. Just listen to what I'm saying. There's that person in your mind or in your spirit, your, you're seeing them or that situation, that memory. begin to let it go like I can think of the moment right now of certain times like when my father dropped me off and he left me because he had to go to prison and I felt abandoned and betrayed I would go in that moment in my mind right now and God would use my imagination which he does and I would say Jesus you're greater than that pain I let it go I forgive I forgive right now so start beginning to say that even under your breath begin to forgive right now I forgive when that spouse hurt me I forgive when that person wronged me I forgive when that father left me I forgive when that friend let me down I forgive what I did to my God teach me forgiveness thank you Jesus let it go it's not who you are I want you to know your identity is not in the injustice that happened to you. Your identity is not in the pain. Your identity is not in what Saul did to David. Your identity is not in that moment. Your identity is in the Lord. And He loves you and He wants you and He is tired of seeing you so broken and hurting. This is why He wanted you to come today. He wanted to confront this in your life right now. But you got to let it go. You got to let it go. You gotta let it go. You gotta say, Jesus, I give it to you. And I'm gonna give it to you today. And I'm gonna give it to you tomorrow. And I'm gonna give it to you the next day. And I'm gonna give it to you the next day. I'm tired of feeling abandoned. I'm tired of feeling left out. I'm tired of feeling betrayed. I'm tired of my insecurities. Holy Spirit, we pray for healing right now in this room. 
we pray that the mind of Christ would be released. Holy Spirit, that the storm of the soul would be stopped. God, revive the spirit from the dead. Waken, awaken the spirit that's living inside of us. God, that our bodies would no longer be submitted to the flesh and earthly desires and revenge. But Jesus, that you would teach us how to trust in you. Jesus, that you would teach us how to forgive. Jesus, that you would teach us the way. We say forgiveness be released in this place. The spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of God who forgives. No longer would the poison dictate your decisions. No longer would the poison of your past dictate your life. We say, Satan, you have no authority any longer. Just for a couple, just 30 seconds. And I, I know part of it's like, it's awkward because it's silent. But you know what? When you're home by yourself and it's just you and God, it's silent. And God wants to heal you so that way it's not awkward when you're home by yourself any longer. So for the next 30 se seconds, a minute, Pastor Juan, just keep playing. Or Antonio, keep playing. And just let him speak to you. Let him show you. Let him heal your heart. time and I feel like we need to do this and then we're going to let you go if you're needing to forgive someone specifically because they have too much authority on your life what do I mean by that that their decisions and their actions mess with your sleep mess with your decision mess with your relationship and you really need to forgive because they I don't want them to have a peace in my heart anymore I want you to just repeat this after me I want you to say this and then I'm going to pray for you and I just believe that and when we say this God's going to begin to do some deep things in us throughout this week and this next season say this Jesus I forgive that person and right now they no longer have authority in my life that they shouldn't have Jesus you have all of me remember I prayed that prayer as a young man Jesus I you can have all of me that isn't and, 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 and anything that has my heart you can have it and God begin to shift some things in my life I pray that same thing over you so we pray for wholeheartedness we pray that you would continue the work and we pray that you would do what only you can do we love you we thank you and in Jesus name everybody said Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did in the room. Come on. Hey, just don't go anywhere. Don't move. 
It's just awkward when we start moving, so just stay for a second. Love you so much. And I believe that this is a season where God's going to do some deep work. Whether you're out there or you're in front, let them. Let them. If you haven't joined a small group, you need to join. Why? Because this is how we continue to get the poison out. That's why we do small groups. I'm serious. It's how I, my heart got healed. So I really recommend if you haven't, if you signed up but you haven't been going, make sure you go. If you haven't signed up, there's still plenty of room. Sign up. I'm not just trying to get you to attend something. I care about your soul and I care about your heart. Okay? Secondly, everybody say growth track. Growth track is how we can become part of our church officially. It's the next step. Would love to have you sign up for growth track. And I believe that in this season, God would do something real in this place in your life. Do me a favor. How many of you know of someone that needs to experience what happened in the room right now? Come on, just by a show of hands. Anybody? Anybody? A friend, cousin, family member. Do me a favor. Can you invite them this week? Even if they say no, just invite them anyways. And let's believe that God's going to get them next Sunday. Does that sound good? Family, I love you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. If you need to stay and worship, you can. If not, you're dismissed from this place. We love you. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. Love you all. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you, and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.